1: chapter 21 verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away their tears, every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. He also said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, all is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will freely give water from the living, life-giving spring. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: The best part of seminary for me was the field education placements. These were opportunities for us as pastors to be, to get to do the actual work, put some of the things we were learning in our classrooms into practice in different ministry contexts. So I served in a local church much like this one, but I confess my very favorite placement I had was at Camp Donnelly. I got to spend two summers hanging out with middle and high schoolers, helping them plan and lead worship, helping them dig into scripture, and answering all their hardest and biggest questions. And that was my real favorite part. Multiple times per week, I would get called to camper groups to answer the questions that the counselors felt like they couldn't answer. For what it's worth, I also felt like I couldn't answer them, but I had divinity attached to my name, so I had to try. And almost without fail, somebody would ask about heaven and hell, like every single time. And there was definitely curiosity there right? They just wanted to know more about heaven and hell. It's kind of our final destination question of Christianity. But the thing that made me feel unsettled about it was that you could tell there was also fear in the question, am I going to get to go to heaven Is that mistake that I made, or that thing I didn't do, or that bad thought that I had going to be the thing that prevents me from being in heaven forever? And it made me really sad that these young people were feeling fear thinking about the afterlife, because that's really not the picture that we get in Scripture, The picture that we get is one of awe and wonder, compassion and joy. But I also know that this picture comes from the book of Revelation, which is probably making some of you nervous right now. (laughs) So let's set the scene a little bit. Not only does this passage come from the very last book of the Bible, but it comes from the very end of that book. Chapter 21 is the second to last chapter of the whole Bible. Okay, so this is a pretty important message that the authors of Scripture want us to take away. The first 20 chapters of Revelation are full of fantastic imagery of beasts and battles and this victorious lamb who is somehow also slain that points us to Jesus' self-giving sacrifice. The book of Revelation is this totally different genre of literature. It's an apocalypse, right? We get a picture of this in Daniel, and we also get it some in the Gospels, if you remember Pastor Kyle's sermon from two weeks ago, pop quiz. Apocalypse is not a prediction of the future. It's a vision of the future, Okay, so what John, the author of Revelation, is doing for us is trying to tell us the truth of this encounter that he had with God, not trying to tell us this is exactly how it's going to go. So if you brought out your calculator when I said Revelation, I'm sorry to say this is not one of those sermons, okay? I can't tell you when the end is coming, But I do want to talk a little bit about what goodness we will find when we get there. Actually, AV team, I know I told you we had no slides, but why don't you just put the text back up for us. Let's read this again. This is from John's vision of the end. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling is here. With humankind, God will dwell with them, and they will be God's peoples. God will be with the people as their God. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look. I am making all things new. And he also said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, all is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will freely give water from the life-giving spring." So I've already mentioned a little bit of what is going on in this text, but I just want us to think about who is writing this. He identifies himself as John in chapter 1 of Revelation, John of Patmos. We don't know much else about him, but we do know a little bit about Patmos, okay? This was the island, this barren, secluded area where the Roman Empire would send political dissidents anybody who opposed them would send them off to this exile place so that they wouldn't keep stirring up trouble. So John, who's been pastoring these churches, has an encounter with God there. This place that is supposed to be away. This place where he's not supposed to be able to stir up any trouble. But sure enough, God shows up, as God always does, in the places that God is not supposed to be, and says, no, actually, I have a message, not just for you, but for all my people. Write this down. So John writes this letter, super-duper long. We're only digging into a piece of it. Sends it to all these churches. It gets circulated, and everybody gets this picture of this final vision of victory, of glory. But it's not really what we expect when we usually talk about heaven, right? When we talk about heaven, we talk about going to heaven. We usually gesture upwards, right? Heaven is up there in the clouds where God is. But that's not really the vision that John has and shares with us. Heaven comes down to earth. God comes down to be with us. In this moment, John is tying together all of Scripture. In this moment, we're transported all the way back to the beginning, to this garden, this perfect paradise that God first created. But then we humans, of course, quickly turned away. We wanted to do our own thing, but God did not give up on us then, right? God made a way for us to be in relationship. God made a way forward, making clothes, letting us leave the garden, settle ourselves into cities. And God continues throughout scripture to make a way to be in relationship with us. We get a glimpse of this eternal reality when Jesus comes to earth. From heaven to earth, God comes to be with us. Because God loves us So much. God is not willing to give up on us. No matter how far we stray, God comes to be with us. And that's our hope here in this passage. This final victory of life is not just that we would get to be with God, but that God wants to and will be with us. God doesn't work like the TV show The Good Place depicts, right? God's not some master accountant tallying up our rights and our wrongs, and if you get enough points, then you're good to go. You get into heaven. God's also not really working like the conductor on the Polar Express, punching your ticket once you confess Jesus as Lord, and then you're good to go right? It's like that Johnny Cash song, if you know it, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Anybody know that song? Yeah. That's not really how it works. Because the thing is, being heavenly minded requires being earthly good. That is what God is up to in all of eternity. And that is what we are to be up to as Christians while we are here on the earth that God created. we see this in our scripture that god takes what is old and makes it new again it's not that god is going to just make all new things when we get to heaven it's not going to be oh we can wipe this slate clean i'm going to make it all new don't you even worry about that stuff i did before i'm just going to start over this one's going to be new and good no i am making all things New. What I love about this vision is the way it ties together God's creation and ours. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6, is just the beginning of what John sees in this new heaven and new earth. He goes on to talk about how there are these gorgeous gems everywhere. All the buildings are covered in them. It's very colorful. He talks about how there's gates for the city. You might recall a vision like this in Ezekiel that also talks about this. But in John's vision, he's clear to tell us the gates are open. Anybody can come. God is the light of all the people. There's this river, that life-giving water that he talks about. And there's these trees, and their leaves are for the healing of the nations. But it's also a city. It's also Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem, this familiar city That the people would know, I mean Jerusalem is where the temple is, it's where you go for worship, it's where you go for festivals, it's where you go for the census. This old city made new, intertwined with God's first creation, the garden, is our creation, the city. In God's final victory, the heavenly garden city that we will spend eternity in. God's home is among mortals, that's how the NRSV puts it, the CEB that we read today. God is dwelling here with humankind. That is our hope. And I want to remind you that this hope is not coming out of nowhere. This isn't just some silly little hope that's like, oh, we're going to live in this la-la land fantasy world. This is a hope that is coming out of persecution, out of exile. Christians are in danger at this point. The Roman Empire, let us not forget, has killed Jesus and all of his friends for following him. This is the kind of hope that has dirt under its fingernails. This is the kind of hope that withstands all the hardship of life. And this is the kind of hope that those campers were so desperately asking for when they were asking about heaven and hell. Is it even real? Do I get to go? As you know, we are in our Gospel in Disney sermon series. So has anybody seen the movie Coco? I think Coco is the best movie ever, okay? This is a movie that is like always going to get an ugly cry out of you and you're going to enjoy it. No matter how many times I watch this movie, I always get that pit in my stomach and that lump in my throat and my cheeks are hot and wet with tears and I can't wait to watch it again because it is such a beautiful portrayal of how we stay connected to God and to each other in the afterlife. But as much as I love the end of the movie, that's what always makes me cry, when I was re-watching it this week, preparing for this sermon, a moment from the beginning is actually what stuck out to me. If you don't know this movie, Miguel is the youngest son of the Rivera family. And they're all shoemakers, but he wants to pursue music. And so he gets upset, and it is Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. So this is like the day that it's all about family in Mexican culture, right? So of all days, this is not the day to disobey your family. But Miguel wants to play music. And so he goes and steals this guitar, and when he strums it, He crosses over into the spirit world, from the human world into the spirit world. And I love this moment where he is crossing this bridge, going into the spirit world, going to see his family, and he goes, whoa, you guys are actually out here? I thought this was just something adults tell kids, like vitamins. He has this moment where he cannot believe that people really stay connected in the afterlife and really stay connected with humans on earth. And I think sometimes that when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised by that too, right? We know the story. We can say all the right things. But do we really believe it? Do we really believe that what happens on this earth is not the end? Do we really believe that we are connected not only to God, but to each other, to everyone that has come before and everyone that will come after? And if we really believe it, are we going to live like we believe it? A former preaching professor at Duke Divinity School, Chuck Campbell, once preached a sermon on this passage And he said something that I will never forget. He pointed out how beautiful it is that God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Not just because of how tender and compassionate it is. But because for God to be able to do that, God actually has to get off the throne and come close. Touch your cheek. Wipe your tears. I think this is a picture of how we are supposed to care for each other here on earth. If heaven is not this far off reality, this place that we get to go once we survive this mess that we've made down here. But if really earth in its perfected, healed state is the end goal then what we do here is practice for what we will do there. And I think God is inviting us to treat each other with this tender compassion, the kind that gets up, that draws near to those who are hurting, the kind that says, hey, I'm in this mess with you. I will get my hands wet wiping your tears away, taking care of you. And you know what? I trust and I hope that you're going to take care of me that way too. I shared a little bit about this when I got to share in that, my first Sunday in worship, just about my life and my story about my mom dying from cancer. And it was a very hard season for many reasons, but to this day, it is somehow also the closest I have ever felt to God. In those times of hardship, when I needed someone to come and wipe my tears, those were the moments that I was actually most sure that God loved me and that God was with me and that God was healing and redeeming even that moment, that I was going to be connected to my mom, that my mom was going to be connected to me, that I was going to be connected to everybody who was caring for me. That was my source of pain and also my source of hope. And I love that in this vision, we don't just skip straight to everything's going to be fine. It first starts with the healing that is needed. It starts with how God shows up in the pain and comes near and touches your tear-stained face and says, hey, I love you. And it's not going to be like that anymore. What if we loved each other like that? Love that takes risks. Love that shows up. Love that gets hands wet and dirty. Love that makes us vulnerable. Love that says, hey, I'm going to put all my pain before you, and you're going to put all your pain before me, and we're going to hold it together, and God's going to hold us while we hold it. That is the hope of eternity, that we can be that vulnerable with each other and with God. Not that we just have to make it through this life that we have to put up with this hardship, that we have to do our best to be faithful, and then don't worry, we're going to start over. Everything's going to be fine. What we do here matters. To be heavenly-minded here is to think like that, to think earthly good, to make this place as close to heaven as we can get it While we're waiting for Jesus to come and fill in our gaps. The book of Hebrews describes Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I like to think that means that Jesus not only goes ahead of us as the pioneer, he goes first. But as perfecter, he also comes back and journeys with each one of us. Filling in our gaps, holding our hands, wiping our tears being with us, and showing us how to show up for each other. This is the God that we worship. The God who says, you are all connected. You are all one because of Jesus Christ. I think we get a beautiful picture of what we owe to each other in the movie Soul. Anybody seen the movie Soul? Soul. I saw it for the first time actually as I was preparing for this sermon and I w- loved how they portrayed this kind of communion of saints, right? That's our churchy word for it. That we're all connected in life and death and life after death. We're all connected. We call that the communion of saints. In the movie Soul, they Look at how we're all connected by saying, okay, there is this great beyond, right? Maybe what we would think of as heaven, but there's also a great before. That's where the souls come from. And the souls go through this little training program and they get ready to come down to earth and then they get put in a body and then they live their lives. And then when their lives come to an end, they become souls again and they get assigned a new little baby soul to mentor. I think that is just a beautiful, beautiful depiction of what our heavenly hope is. The pioneers and the perfecters; those who have gone before us, those who journey with us, and those who will come after us all intertwined, teaching each other what we know, holding each other in grief and in hardship, but also in joy and in love and in celebration. This is the picture that John is painting for us. This is what the whole book of Revelation is doing. It's not about doing the math with all those crazy numbers. It's not about trying to assign blame with all these beasts in Revelation that we don't know what to do with. It's about saying that no matter what happens down here, God is not giving up on us. No matter what. I was talking to some of you at Orthodoxy. Someone was asking a question about the book of Jonah. And I said, that's actually my favorite book of the Bible. Usually people would expect you to pick a gospel, you know? This Jesus guy is kind of our whole thing. But no, I love Jonah because it is so complicated. It is a book of the Bible that says God is not giving up on you and God is not giving up on them. And somehow you guys are going to have to figure this out. Whether it happens here or whether it happens there, We are all connected, and we are going to have to work this thing out. Back to Coco, because I said it is the best movie, so it gets two references. One of the things I love about Coco is that it doesn't sugarcoat complicated family relationships. Not only in Miguel's rebellion from shoemaking to his passion in music, but also in the harm that has happened in this family, I won't spoil it for you because I hope I'm inspiring you to watch it if you haven't seen it yet. But there's been a really serious crime committed against the Rivera family. And it only comes to light when Miguel is able to come to the afterlife with his human knowledge and then take his new afterlife knowledge back to the human world, right? Takes all these pieces, all these people being connected to sort this out, And what I love about that picture is that this is sort of what's going on here, too. John has spent 20 chapters telling us about all the parts of his vision that involve God's judgment finally coming. God finally defeating evil once and for all. There is still stuff to be sorted out in the afterlife. That's part of what happens when Jesus comes back. And Coco shows us that though it is very painful, though it is very hard to do, it is so necessary, it is so good, it is so healing, it is so freeing to do that hard work. What we do here matters, God is not making all new things, but all things new. Those relationships that feel too broken to ever be fixed, that political party that you think will never get it together, that memory that you have repressed and hope never comes to light, all of that is part of this mix. All things new. God will be with us, we will be with God, we will be with each other, and we will be one. That is our prayer when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not get us to heaven as soon as possible, but bring heaven here. And while we wait for Jesus to come do what only he can do, it's our job to try our very best. Thank you for listening to The Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.